I'm Sam. I'm Calm. And one of us is bored. This week we're discussing Meet Me in St. Louis. went the trolley, ding, 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 went the bell, zing, 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 went my heart strings, from the moment I saw him I fell. Meet Me in St. Louis is the tender, romantic story of the most popular young beauty of the early 1900s, of her crush on the boy next door of her lovable, yet at times, humorous family. If you like a me like I like a you, and we like a both us, God, I was like, he's going to say Louis. <laughs> I was like, oh no. I defied your expectations. I'm glad. I'm glad because I would have edited it out. I was like, nope, we're protecting our reputation now. We're yes, too famous to say it wrong. Meet Me in St. Louis is a 1944 American Christmas musical film, allegedly. Christmas, that is not musical. It definitely is that. Uh, divided into a series of seasonal vignettes. Um, leading up to the opening of the Louisiana Purchase Expedition, more commonly referred to as the World's Fair in the spring of 1904, um, and famously stars Judy Garland, which obviously links in with our Judy January month, which we're in the middle of. If you just if you haven't listened to our last episode, this is a good opportunity to plug that. We talked about The Wizard of Oz last week, and it was a very good episode, <laughs> so go back and listen to that. Um, Before that, just some notes. Okay. I've been asked to say. Okay. <laughs> My mum cottoned on to the fact that we were talking about the Tin Man thing. Right. Which, on that note, thank you people who have validated my trauma. It's not just me. It was bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have said people going, is it for reals? So I'm like, yeah, I didn't realise how fucked up it was until I was talking about it. Um, <laughs> my mum wants it to be known that she did veto me singing it, and that's why I did the dance. Right. <laughs> She's <laughs> she like, was- I went in there... Full Karen. My child should not be singing this song. <laughs> she's like, make sure they know that I didn't want that to happen. She's like, does. I did not. I did not endorse this. <laughs> it does sound pretty questionable, to be fair. I don't blame her because yeah. God, pretty fucked up. Right, Mama boards in the clear. So yeah, yeah. she's all know. good. Yeah, <laughs> she went and fought for me. <laughs> um, yeah, that's funny. Did other people have? the same kind of wait or the, just their reaction to the the situation or anything i got messages and stuff saying oh that's fucked up and i'm like oh it is fucked up yeah <laughs> that's Aww. really funny and i feel very validated because i thought i was overreacting 
<laughs> for years i was like oh maybe i should have just sung the song <laughs> i mean it is a weird fault but then obviously there is there's the fact that it's you that's doing it so I, I suppose it's one of those things where it's bad enough if it's someone else but then if it's tied into like the sort of memory that keeps you awake at night due to cringing then like oh it does <laughs> <laughs> so many hours of sleep lost <laughs> yeah just um, oh ooh. yeah god waking up in a cold sweat no i'm not i'm not in a school play anymore it's fine i'm (laughs) i'm in i'm in in current year it's okay um yeah so okay so meet me in st louis then um you this was one of the ones that you'd suggested for the month um and i I think i'm right in saying neither of us had actually seen this prior to watching it for this so what made you suggest this to be in the lineup for the month initially Every Judy Garland documentary that I've seen notes this as one of her best films because it's where she felt the happiest, mm-hmm. I think we can agree in saying, purely yeah. based off the fact that she felt like she looked pretty. That was yeah. like her battle throughout her life was her feeling like she wasn't pretty, which is really sad. Um, but I get it because she was with, you know, she went to school with a bunch of gorgeous actresses and I think it was Lana Turner is that her name kept stealing her boyfriends stuff like that (laughs) um so this was the first film where she got paired with a makeup artist who I don't know the name I can't remember but that makeup artist then stayed with her throughout her career afterwards because she just changed up her look enough where she felt like she was a proper glamorous star Mm -hmm. so everyone notes it as like a big turning point for her which is pretty sad really isn't it it's not not great (laughs) what happened before and what happens after if this is your peak yeah pretty tragic life so yeah do you do you agree this was a good choice Cal? i think this was a really really good choice i really enjoyed watching this um so it's very um it's very of its time like it's quite twee um and it's very um uh, shock it's very old hollywood in the way it kind of presents itself like with the with the parties of the young people and then the children coming down to join in and everyone starts dancing and singing and oh aren't we all having a good time and and yet in some ways it kind of defies those expectations like with the little girls saying the most gruesome things at different points as well so it's got this very weird it, it, it exists in this very weird place between being kind of exactly what you would think it would be and then also defying expectations in a way that would not be completely out of place where some of the lines in this to be put in a film today. Like some of it feels shockingly kind of modern. I suppose I suppose it's the shock value of the children like threatening to kill people or or talking about burying their dolls or or plagues or whatever else is going on. It's just it's it's those psycho children. But like not it's not modern in the type of film sense it's just like they would be right at home in a kind of edgy comedy yeah i suppose i would say yeah that the the humor the sense of humor throughout is pretty modern yeah and it makes me wonder if maybe we just kind of overestimate how modern our, our sense of humor is or underestimate the past yeah we just don't change no we just like you know we have the same jokes and while the past seems kind of like reverent in a way like i think we we send yeah, like old Hollywood as well. They tried it at the time, but we definitely tried to sanitize in our own minds the way that it presents itself. And it's probably, it's probably part of what we do is we need to not try and and think of it as being as clean and like edgeless 
as it was because in many ways it was kind of edgy and it was always like you don't suddenly start pushing boundaries like I guess, I guess it was always pushing boundaries like in one way or another it's just how it chooses to do that and what it deems acceptable at different time periods you you know there's raunchy old ladies in every every decade every generation there'll be like mm-hmm. medieval raunchy old ladies stuff oh, like sure. that and we just don't picture it we just see it as yeah. kind of like history so history is very prim and proper but it's like yeah. even the context of like the filming of this like mere months before judy garland had her first abortion you know mm. it's not really that prim or that proper um no. so it's funny that we're surprised and then like but we're pleasantly surprised you know because it's relatable humor yeah oh yeah like i'm not horrified by it but it's, it's just you don't expect it like oh, yeah. it, in any way it's just it's very like even when you look at the film poster like the, the, it's of that era where they're not using really it's almost like they've used um like sketches of the stars well yeah like, it's, it's paintings they, yeah they haven't even used photos of them it's like it's it's and like their names are in like fun bright texts and it's just it's just got that 40s kind of feel to it but then with a like a real solid edge that you maybe wouldn't necessarily yeah. have expected. Oh, we it's, forget that this is like World War Two as well. Like, there's definitely not. We we very much romanticize the twenties, thirties, and forties as being this like again romantic time period. But it's like no fucking awful things were happening, and people had to just laugh their way through. Otherwise, you'd you'd die, wouldn't you? Like, yeah, I I think as well in many ways that's probably why this film was as popular as it was because I suppose ignoring like judy garland herself for a second and just focusing on the songs that are in there so this film debuted the trolley song which i had heard of before but i'd never heard it like even even as a clip i'd never heard it from like the context in which it appears in this film before like i'd heard it from stage shows and covers of it and stuff um but like as soon as it started i was like i know what this is um and also have yourself a merry little christmas which when you put that in the context of the war um it's it's about people that can't be together over christmas time and that is how what was going well that was what the case for lots of families during this time was like their their fathers and brothers and sons were away fighting well just on that one i almost feel like the film almost ruins the song with how silly the situation they're singing it over is compared yeah. to like what was going on and why it was like impactful and like well you kind of it just seems silly it actually changed a lot did you know that this is like the second version of it because judy garland rewrote it because she thought the original was too grim yeah, see i <sighs> Yes and no, I agree. So I didn't know that, by the way. But yeah, I, your initial point about it seeming silly, yes and no. I think yes, it does in the context of what's going on. It's like the little girl kind of feeling sad about leaving and the snowmen. <laughs> like, it's, it's obviously more than the snowmen in the garden. Like, it's obviously about the community as a whole, but like as a kid or whatever. Um, but then I suppose you kind of need it to be because you don't really want to go into the cinema like assuming like half your relatives are away fighting in the war. You want to see something fun and for the most part this is something fun and you don't want to like be reminded oh shit like half my family are away and may never return just now. So I suppose the like have yourself a merry little Christmas as sad a kind of a concept as it is it also has an element of hope within it. It's like maybe next year we'll all be back together and it's that in itself is a really lovely concept especially when you're isolated or at a period of separation 
I mean, it is, but I wouldn't say it fits in the context of the story. In fact, lots of the songs, I would say, because usually in a musical, your songs are either telling you something about the character or they're progressing the story along. Mm-hmm. And in this one, I don't feel like I like the songs. And mm-hmm. I, I do, they're iconic songs, but I almost feel like if they weren't in the film, obviously the film wouldn't have been a big thing. Like, but in terms of story and like what it tells you about the characters and stuff, it doesn't. Like, if they were gone, it wouldn't make a difference to the story and the characters. So that song specifically, I think you're right. It wouldn't make a difference if if the "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas" was in there. I think that's in there intentionally because of the political context of the time. And so, like looking back now, like we've not lost anyone that we know to a war. Uh, nor have we had to see anyone go. So I think knowingly, it's almost... It's, it's, audience exploitation is a little bit of a extreme way to put it, but it kind of almost is because it's going to be playing on people's emotions and, okay, it doesn't necessarily fit with what's going on on the screen, but it's going to get people thinking about things and people are going to remember it from however they got to it. And obviously that went on to be like a really big song, like that. loads of people have covered that. Yeah, it was um, huge amongst United States troops serving in World War Two. That's how it kind of blew up. Yeah, yeah. But I would, I, I would argue now that like it exists, like that song exists outside of Meet Me in St. Louis. Oh yeah, there's tons. That's like a standard. So there's tons of songs like that from this yeah. era where it's like it's like even Skip to My Lou and stuff in the trolley song, as you said. Mm-hmm. And Joe's funny. It's when we watched it. I watched it with my mum, mm-hmm. Meet Me in St. Louis. And she's like, these are all Barney songs. And you know what? <laughs> she's right. They all <laughs> appeared in Barney the Dinosaur. <laughs> in some way or another. Oh, which that's hilarious. It is, isn't it? It's weird. Yeah. I was like, I was I was actually sitting there wondering why I knew these songs already. I'm like, well, I can't think of a reason why I would know these. Apart from, I don't think Barney ever sung How Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. The other ones, like Skip to My Lou and um, A Trolley Song and... I wouldn't be surprised because I, I I can kind of picture it being sung in his voice, but I don't know if I'm just making that up. <laughs> I'm going to quickly search Has that. Barney the Dinosaur ever sung that? Well, have yourself a Merry Little Christmas. Yeah. I don't think so. It's too solemn. No, I don't think he has from no. what I can see. But that would be a hilarious concept. Yeah. Agreed. It's just too solemn. <laughs> just a well, solemn it, dinosaur. It is. You're right. Like, what would be the context for him singing that? I have no fucking like, clue. Like, BJ's lost his, his trainers and Baby Bop's lost her blanket. It's time to sing the song. Something like... Because... So, from what I remember, is the, is the context not like he's a stuffed toy and the kids are playing with him at Wild at Playgroup? So, like, it would be like the kids not coming back... Well, the kids are away at home for Christmas because they're not at Playgroup. So... I think he goes home with someone though. I think someone brings him in. Hmm. I don't know the Barney canon anymore. Bar- Barney's kind of slightly after my time. I have to say, like, my sister had some of the tapes, but like, I think even then it was kind of a bit. Oh, we went to see him live. I was all about Barney the Dinosaur. Oh. Oh, <laughs> uh, gosh, that must have been. Fun. There's a Barney documentary coming out this year. <laughs> oh really? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Maybe we should. Maybe we should. Yeah, I'm up for that if you want to. Like, that's probably a good goal. And I was saying to you the other day, I want to do more documentaries. So, yeah, yeah I'm up for that. Um, yeah. Um, gosh, that was a bit of a tangent, wasn't it? Um, yeah, so Trolley Song, Merry Christmas. Yeah, so I suppose just before we start talking about the film itself, then, like, how... 
you you recognize the songs in other places like how do you feel the songs fit within this film like do you generate do you do you prefer it as a musical or do you prefer it as a as a story because i think in some ways like the songs within this kind of could or could not stand alone by themselves like some of them are definitely better than others yeah well yeah i think i've already spoiled that one <laughs> but yeah i don't i don't as a musical and music's just there as a filler in a mm. way like i none of the songs are important to the story yeah in a way that if they weren't there you know they, yeah they would make a difference that being said though i think music was really important in that era of hollywood to make films sell because mm. you needed the i don't know how they worked did they sell tapes not tapes sorry uh vinyls of the soundtracks stuff i don't know yeah I, I think a lot of soundtracks were put out on vinyl yeah so you couldn't get the film but you could get the soundtrack that was that was something i was thinking about the other day actually i didn't i didn't look too much into this but it was the idea that um so just for context listener we um we have a couple of obviously we have a couple of our judy, judy garland songs songs films <laughs> to come up in the next couple of weeks um and i've watched both of them already at this point um but the um judy that's coming up like the concept of it i can't imagine anyone it's it's so hard to put judy garland or to think of like a, a modern equivalent to judy garland because when you think she's she's not primarily a singer essentially she's really there to be an actress but it just so happens that she sings in a lot of the songs and then she, later on in life she would go out on tour performing the songs on stage but most of her repertoire are stage songs from the films that she was in and like it's kind of i can't think of a modern equivalent of someone doing that like i mean i know it's a different era and and the way that things work now is a bit different but it's sort of like um kate winslet going on tour and performing what if somewhere see i would argue against that actually the i don't think judy garland would have ever been signed if she didn't have that big voice like because she wasn't i hate saying she's not good looking enough like she is but i don't think she would she really did that well and stuff that was dramatic like if she didn't sing a song she wasn't yeah. usually in the film yeah no that's totally fair like i've i've there's there is there's a huge amount of crossover there it's it's not like you're totally an actor or you're totally a singer or or this or that but i suppose she's not she's not promoted i suppose today we think of people as like i'm an actor that's transitioned into singing or yeah. i'm a singer that's transitioned into acting and she was kind of i would argue because of the time period she's she's probably promoted more as an actor but like you're right it would have been the singing that got her in there yeah the studio system's so different though to what it like she was yeah. signed with mgm for 15 years like so she was just doing thing after thing after thing after thing with that but they did also send them around a lot because it's like you know they have to promote these people because they're in all their films yeah so she had to go and do stage shows and shit and she was she'd get sent off so uh like uh mickey rooney went with her when she was doing a wizard of oz promo thing and he had nothing to do with wizard of oz you know yeah um so I just think it's so different now that we can't even, like, you just can't compare it. Cause, yeah. Like they're all vaudeville performers. Yeah. In the Hollywood, in this old studio system rather than an actor or a singer. Like they were just, they had to do all three. Yeah. Otherwise you didn't get hired because you had to do all three. Yeah. So nowadays you don't have to, but like if I want to be an actress, um, I would be in luck. No, I wouldn't because I can't act. But if I could <laughs> act... I'd be okay with not being able to sing or dance because like I can't do either of those things. Yeah. 
Whereas, Whereas if um, I was born in the 20s or the 30s, I'd be fucked. Yeah. Because that's your thing. You have to do all three. Because yeah. all your all the good films, all the, all the films that have made it, have made it because their soundtracks were so good, really. Yeah. And that obviously ties into your question was where the soundtracks released. And it's like, well, a lot of her, like she charted on like the mainstream, like charts and stuff did she not like i I'm have no idea how that worked i'm i'm sure like i think i think i don't think it was like billboard as in billboard because that changed a fair amount i think but um in fact let me just have a little i don't actually so billboard actually came around a bit later so it wasn't but like i'm fairly confident that like the soundtracks were released then as promotional tools for the film like i mean that's always been the way soundtracks have always kind of been released before your your film has but um uh like it was the 60s before billboard started actually um tracking that sort of thing so obviously the 40s is a bit too early for that really i think the one thing that you could say for soundtracks and stuff is that the soundtracks are a lot easier to preserve and they have been preserved a lot better so this is a spoiler again the reason that they were able to restore a star is born at all is because the soundtrack was so well preserved whereas film decays or film did decay and they did destroy they just kept it for six months and then they just said fuck this (laughs) get rid of it um whereas for some reason soundtracks have been kept really well in comparison Right, sorry, just to let me backtrack a little bit because I I've, I second-guessed myself and I was right the first time. There was, um, yeah, so Meet Me in St. Louis, the album, was released by Decca Records in 1944 and it reached number two on the popular record albums chart uh, in 1945. Um, that was... So apparently, so released less than 10 days before Columbia and Victor Records formally ended the 1942 to 1944 recording ban. Who fucking knows what that's... I'm going to guess that's related to the war. That'll be wartime, yeah. Yeah. Um, but the album obviously contained a trial. So yeah, the album the album hit number two on the charts, or the chart equivalent of the time, at least in America. Um, so yes, long story short, there was a soundtrack album released and it did very well. Yeah, so okay, that... Okay, so basically my thoughts are they needed the soundtrack for the film to be popular, but the soundtrack does not matter in the context of the film. God, yeah, sorry. And just to correct ourselves as well, because it's in there. So that that, that um, recording thing, it was actually a strike. It had nothing to do with the war at all. It was musicians going on strike over... Oh, really? Over... Um, I think it was overpay. It was the, it's the longest strike in the entertainment history anyway. Good for but, them. Um, at the time, union bands dominated popular music, and after the strike, as part and partly as a result of it, big bands became began to decline, and vocalists came to dominate popular music more. So, uh, arguably, yeah, that was a big moment. We might not have what we have today had it not been for that strike. So, interesting. I mean, they were quite right too, though. Like considering what we just said, like like the songs are what like see before we watched this, did you even know that's where this song came from? Like, the have yourself a merry little Christmas. I knew it came from something old. <laughs> <laughs> but I couldn't have told you what. Like, I think I did know it was in a film, but I didn't know what film. Um, same with, like, the trolley song. I couldn't have told you where that came from. I knew the song, and I, I know it from seeing people cover it on TV and stuff, but, like, I couldn't have told you where it came from. So no, That's the yeah. thing, yeah. It's one of those where it's just... 
grown larger than the film, but then the film was and still kind of is a big deal. I mean, I would never have watched it. Well, I mean, maybe I would have, but I probably wouldn't have watched it if I wasn't into Judy Garland. You know, I would never have thought, oh, meet me in St. Louis. Yeah. Need me some of that. Because kind of like slowly transitioning into the film, largely nothing happens in this film. I did enjoy it, don't get me wrong, but in terms of plot, nothing happens. It's 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 a very enjoyable film for for a film in which not a lot happens. Yeah. Honestly, like I I really really liked this. Um, it's like snapshots of a family's life in a way that like would make more sense in TV. Now, it's very um, comforting looking at it in its own weird way. Um, and it's funny because the family are obviously they live in a huge bloody house like it's absolutely massive so they're obviously a well-off family so they're not your typical american family but it gives you that image that hollywood wanted to give people of like you know the the typical american values and everyone loves each other and oh like oh my biggest concern is that so and so is not taking me to the dance and humph and you know it's just why would he propose to me yeah like it's it's all very um kind of very normal problems very like the, fluffy problems like yeah. not, like no one's dying no one's injured no one's been drafted i know it's the 1900s so they wouldn't have been but um, yeah no no real problems the biggest problem is oh the boy next door has not looked at me and i'm in love with him because he's pretty like uh, yeah gosh what a problem i know i heard like and then you have these i, I would say the, the biggest problem is these fucking nutso kids yeah. and their halloween the halloween scene we'll get to it <laughs> what the hell <laughs> what the fuck that, is happening that that oh we'll get to it yeah we will um let's let's just jump into it then um so the backdrop for the film is um st louis missouri uh and the year is 1904 um we're on our the lead up to the louisiana purchase expositions world fair uh, world's fair I didn't realize that was a big deal. Like I know the Ch- Chicago World's Fair was a big deal, but I've never heard of this one being referenced as a big deal. I remember watching stuff as a kid. So, funnily enough, it was like kids' cartoon stuff. Like I think one of them was. Did you? Um, maybe you'll remember this. Maybe you won't. But do you remember Secret Squirrel? No. Right. So it's a cartoon from the '60s, but it used to get played on like kids' TV quite a lot in the '90s. So. We had it on video, and I don't know why we do, but there was there was a few episodes of that that were to do with like going to the World's Fair and stuff. So I was always aware of the concept, and it was just like this kind of thing where you have all the supposedly the nations of the world coming together to show off in different ways, and there's like theme park elements to it and all sorts of things. And it's just like it's a very old fashioned grand get together of of like a, an event, but like in the same like you couldn't be like let's have a world's fair now and like get the kind of hype towards that that people would have like no but i know i the world's fair concept i got like the chicago one again where it's like disney went and put the carousel progress and stuff that one yeah i could tell you about that one mm-hmm. and it appeared in the batch of the future game it's just the st louis one i didn't realize was like like why that one in particular like how often are these things held like why is this one the big deal Maybe that's why this one was chosen for for this because it's a kind of a, a why. Like they're meant to be kind of, I say normal. They're not meant to be your normal family because they are very like 
upper class in many ways. They reference themselves as poor though, which is interesting. They're like, oh, we'll be poor in a flat. And I'm like, you're in a mansion right now. What are you talking mm, about? Well, I mean, like St. Louis to New York, you, like it's it's like a house a house in the borders would, would you could sell that and buy a flat in Edinburgh. Like, you know, it's just because of inflation. But it'd be prices. a nice flat still. Yeah, like, but I mean, afford, it's a, they can afford. It's still a downgrade. Like they've got a fucking, they've got like a free floored house. Like, so like a free floor house to a flat is a bit of a downgrade, you know, like it's. I know, but the flat will be like, it's not a flat. It's like a modern, like two story apartment. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> um. Anyway, so it's actually, the film actually starts in the summer of 1903. And uh, I didn't realize that they were, the last name was Smith, actually. I oh, don't, well. do they mention that in the film? Uh, they might have done. I don't know. Uh, anyway, the Smith family apparently uh, leads a very normal or a very... Um, very Smithy life. A very Smithy life, like free of many problems. And like everybody's like... <laughs> the biggest problem is fucking dinner time. Yeah. So you've got um, Alonzo and his wife Anna, uh, plus four daughters, the grandfather and... The forgotten son. The forgotten son and the maid. Were you were you honestly going to forget the son as well? Yes. That's how forgotten the son is. <laughs> um, so you've got quite a lot of people in this household. Um, now Esther is the second oldest daughter, uh, and that is who Judy Garland is playing in this. Now, just while I think about it, like we were talking about this just before we started, um, and I was reading about the fact that. Um, she didn't originally want to play this role because she thought it was going to be a step back in her career. So both in terms of her professional life and her personal life, she was a little bit beyond the the teenage girl falling in love for the first time type roles. I think she'd already had her first divorce by this point. Uh, as you said, she'd had an abortion as well. Uh, and then in previous films just before this as well, she'd, she'd played slightly more grown-up roles. So she felt like it was a bit of a step back to suddenly be back in a role where she's, you know a senior in high school essentially or whatever whatever position she is i don't do american high schoolisms but like she's still that kind of age you know so she didn't initially want to do this um and yet i didn't i wasn't aware of that context when watching it and like i thought she fit into the role perfectly well and it's funny because she's not that much older i suppose but she's like a 22 year old playing a 16 17 year old i think she's 21 in this yeah so it's not like 21 playing 18 yeah it's not wildly older but like i can see why she wouldn't necessarily have wanted to as well at the same time um do you recognize any other actors in this just before we move on just before um no not really um mary astor as a name i think jumps out a bit uh i'd have to go and have a look and see why uh, to Lucille Bremer playing Rose, uh, Joan Carroll playing Agnes, and Margaret O'Brien playing Tootie. That's the order of their ages. Um, and Lucille Bremer is playing the <laughs> the old maid in this, even though she's like four years older. Like, oh, you're on the like throughout the, the thing. They're like, oh, you better get engaged soon. You're not getting any younger. Oh God, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm just having a look at um. 
I'm just having a look at Mary Astor's filmography because I'm like, I do recognize that name and I recognize her picture on Wikipedia as well. I wonder if she's in something we've talked about already. Like, she surely wasn't in Lady in a Cage. <laughs> it all comes back to fucking Lady in a Cage. It does, one way or another. Uh, hush, oh, she's in Hush, Hush, Sweet Charlotte, uh, which was the Betty Davis, Olivia de Havilland film. Uh, she definitely wasn't in Lady in a Cage. No. But she was a big silent film star. She was, yeah. I wonder if, um, God, I'm sh- I'm sure there's uh, something. I mean, she's been in loads of stuff, to be fair. She's in quite a few lost films as well, actually. But um, yeah, that's a shame. Like this, this whole thing is just going to show how awful film film conservation was before the eighties. Like, my God, it's dire. Yeah, gosh, like, yeah, oh, yeah, old Hollywood. Um, yeah, so I I think she's possibly the one exception there. But like, there's there's no one else in terms of name at least jumping out at me um i did have a look at um margaret o'brien who, who plays Tootie, her page earlier just to see what else she's been in and she is she's consistently been in stuff up until quite recently but again nothing i'm like really familiar with or nothing that would make me think oh that's her uh so yeah not really i have to say um i mean it's nice that she's still been getting basically she's been getting films She's been getting film roles for like what, sixty years, seventy years? Her? That's quite impressive, isn't it, really, when mm. you think about it. Like, good good for her, I suppose, that she's still getting work. But like, yeah, other than that, like there's not really anyone else in here I recognise. So, um Yeah. They were all good though. Like the the dad was kind of a bit of a wanker at points, but even then he kind of redeemed it at the end. He was funny wanker. You know, he's like, Oh, I'm going to pretend this is all my idea, but really it's because you guys are like forcing me to do this thing. Oh, so I was thinking about that and I, it's, it's very, very hard because I think what the film wants you to do is to take the side of the family that doesn't want to leave. And to be honest, like, obviously that's the direction it goes. But if you think of it in terms of the context for what it is, like this is back in the day when, um, like you were literally living in a one person uh, in a in a in a family situation where only one person's working to support everyone, and simultaneously you've got your two older daughters who are engaged, so that's a good enough reason to not want to move, I suppose. But then you've got your two younger daughters who there's not really any valid reason for them not to go, other than they'll end up in prison because the other kids will be like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Like that must be a St. Louis only tradition because I've never heard of a Guy Fox Halloween. No. Where they um, attack their neighbors, <laughs> no. like they'll I, end up in jail. I hate you. <laughs> uh, but there's not really a reason for them to want to go. The the mother as well. Like dare I say, like she's not really got a huge amount of a personality or or point of being there, short of being mother. So there's not really anything keeping her there. Um, there's the maid, I suppose. But then you'd get a new maid, uh, and granddad's retired. So. I feel like it's a bit fair, unfair rather, to judge the dad because he's potentially going to a job that he actually really wants to do. And considering he's the only one in the house working, is like he's essentially being forced to choose between what his family, only two out of the seven of which I would argue have a valid reason for staying, want. And 
you know, his own career. And obviously the film makes him in the end do what they want and he's happy to do so in the end after some consideration. And you're right, he does pretend it's his idea. And it's probably, in many ways, it's probably a way of of putting a band-aid on hurt feelings and things. But it 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 comes across as that very again that kind of old Hollywood style of fake families getting along that loads of films and TV shows of that era kind of have. Oh, Papa, <laughs> you know, like it's just like you you old you old coach you like it's just like it's just not real. It's just not how people talk or deal with things. It's very it's very musical. Yeah, he's very absent though. He has no idea what's happening in no. his family's lives I'd say as well but for me the reason that, that I started to dislike him and I did kind of go around him at the end because mm. um, I thought he was quite funny at points because he's just he's just a funny actor I he think. has his moments for sure um, yeah was when like he made such a big deal over like wanting to have a bath before he ate I'm like for fuck's sake just go eat something quickly and then go have a bath yeah he's like no we shall we shall eat now and I'm like dude chill that's such a thing to not throw a hissy fit over. I to be in 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 defense of that, I feel like they sh- they could have been clear like as to why they were wanting that from the start. I know like they were uh, trying to use their psychic abilities to predict that it was a proposal coming, but they could have said from the start, "Bitch here, forgotten her name. Bitch is expecting a phone call, and we don't all want to be listening in." And yeah. okay, that might not have gone down well, but there's no need to play fucking mind games. Like I suppose, I know. But even then, they gave him a, a valid reason. All oh, this, this maid's having family problems. Could you let her like go home early? And he's like, "No, I must <laughs> bathe. <laughs> I must bathe. It's the most, I want to bathe now." And I'm like, "Yeah." That's just such a non thing to like be that dramatic about. Like, just for fuck's sake. Even if there's no real reason, and people just want to eat earlier for an hour, one day, just do it. Yeah, I don't know. I suppose it's just one of those things, like you or know, or it's some- just like, fine then, don't eat your roast beef. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'd I'd rather go with that to be honest. Like, I'd be like, right, you know what? I'm having my bath. Don't feed me. But like, I suppose it's like if you've had a shit day at work and you want to go have a bath, it's like, it's like fine, then do that. But don't stop everyone else eating. Yeah, like like I, again, it's kind of like a hold up of like the past, and that like everyone has the, their dinner around the table together and all that sort of thing. And it's like, well, I was just, I think I wrote my note. Fine then, starve. <laughs> 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 all right i will yeah go, go up and let everyone else eat i'll get i'll get the maids to make me something else later i'll get the maid to make me a sandwich at 11 o'clock like well, it's his favorite meal like yeah. you know so it's like dude i'd be hyped to come in and have like a thing and then you can have an even longer bath yeah totally like you'd be like okay there's no rush or whatever but yeah no i do get that but i feel yeah there's 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 a lot of decisions the characters make in this that are just very very convenient for the story that's trying to be told as opposed yeah. to things that I think people would actually do. Yeah, this man throwing this epic fit over a bath and yeah. then acting surprised when everyone's about pissed at him. For the yeah. He's like, why are you all mad at me? He's like, well, well, Dad, we all asked if we could eat an hour early and you threw a big fit and yeah. put your foot down about this really silly thing. And like in the context of the story, because he's quite a chill guy, really, in yeah. the context of the story. But it just makes him seem like he just throws random hissy fits over really silly things. I, I feel like 
I don't, we don't really know because we don't get to grips with his character that often. And I suppose that's, po- I mean, I might be projecting something onto it, but like he seems really infused later on about this job opportunity that he has. And so I always kind of got the impression that maybe he's just not that keen on the job he has. So if you've had a shit day at work, you do sometimes take that home with you, like, and you just can't avoid doing that. And so I don't want to like project too much onto like a character from an almost 80 year old film, but like, it could be an element of that and that like maybe he's just had a shit day and he's not good at not taking that home with him. He, he threw a wee hissy fit over him not knowing his daughter wants an engagement, which I do understand, but the fact that he's not aware of it at all is very telling of him, his involvement in the house. Yeah, again, I, I wonder though if that's like, like dynamics at the time because I think there's a lot of old timey arguments put up on both fronts and like he says something like, you know, I'm out at work all day to give my family the best possible life they can have and I get no respect in return. And to be honest, there's there's a lot of validity to that kind of attitude because if you are like out all day working and you're the only person doing it, whether or not society dictates that that's the case, that is the case, it's got to be a sore one when you come home and find that you've missed elements of your children's lives or whatever because you're just not there to see any of it. So like I think him not being aware of his daughter's engagement for whatever reason that would be a sore one i have a simple solution for him though you could maybe not take an hour bath straight after work you could maybe do that at night time when you're on bed <sighs> yeah i i don't know like i i think it's it's hard because again y- you need to have some time for yourself and i think especially when you've got children you then run into the the, the problem of when is that time for yourself like as as a parent you you definitely have less time to have some time for yourself and it's probably only when your children are starting to grow up that you can think right i don't need to be at your beck and call every every minute um which in this instance means he's not that familiar with his daughter's loves love lives or their courting rather because it's not they're not fully uh invested i suppose but like it's it, again probably there's an element of projecting current sensibilities into old timey values and stuff and so i don't really want to sit here getting into the semantics too much but like it's quite an interesting it's an interesting way to try and view it and to try and contextualize it within what it is and broadly i think a lot of what you've said is correct to be honest but like i i feel like i don't think it's fair to to place the entire blame on him but the thing is, we don't even know we don't even know where we're placing it really either. Is the no. thing because this was made in the forties, but it's not set in the forties. No, it's set like right at the start of the century. So, so we don't know if maybe the film's even mocking the dad in ways because they're setting up a time from the nineteen hundreds, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So they could be saying, "Oh, back in those days, the dad didn't involve <laughs> in the kids at all." <laughs> they could be saying that. I don't. I don't think it's. Um... I don't think it's trying to be too heavy on the messaging, honestly, because I think it's it's Judy Garland's film. Yeah, she's meant to be the main, but yeah. there's lots of things where, like, there's just parts where it's just like, I don't know, like, if they made her love story with this neighbour the main thing, and they do kind of, but they put a lot of extra time into the family stuff where yeah. it, to the point where it kind of makes it not make sense anymore. Could we do a stu- we get stuck on Halloween for a very long time. We get kind of stuck with his dad having an argument with Warren, the Warren thing for a long time. It's like, well, pick what you're going to show us. Yeah, 
I was just I was just gonna say yeah like there's there's a lot of really weird bits that we could probably do without and Halloween's one of them honestly like I don't know that it adds an awful lot so yeah anyway basically Esther's whole deal is that she's in love with the boy next door and so there's a song to that effect apparently it's one of the more well-known songs from this I cannot remember for the life of me how it goes so no me neither that's how much of an impact that had on me um uh Tootie is the youngest one. youngest one and uh, she has an interesting conversation with the Iceman, who she rides around with occasionally, apparently. And she, um, this is when we start finding out that she's a bit like a weirdo, honestly. <laughs> she buries her dolls because they've died and she's like, oh, this one's got four fatal diseases. That's a good reason to not want to leave, Cal. And that's why she says, like, she can't leave the dolly graveyard. No, but she, well, yeah, but she does, she, like, later on she gets really excited. She's like, I've got to go dig up all my dolls. <laughs> Freak. <laughs> like, mm, yes. Yeah, they've done something wrong with Agnes and Tootie, basically. So, like, Agnes comes in after this freaky thing and she's like, says to the maid something like, I'm going to, if you've hurt my cat, I'm going to kill you and I'm going to get horses to drag your remains around. I'm like, Jesus Christ. And no one calls her out on it either. It's kind of like... Uh, it's kind of like oh, oh, oh Agnes. <laughs> it's just like that's not an oh Agnes moment. That's a that's fucking insane. That's like the psycho music playing in the background. Yeah, that's I get your child under control moment, uh, but no one does. <laughs> no. So yeah, that's it's just it's just treated as if it's completely fucking normal. Um, so basically, you our our little spiel earlier about the dad coming home. Yeah, basically they're all wanting to have dinner early, so that. Uh, Rose can take a phone call from a long, distance phone, a long call. distance phone call from New York. From Warren. From Warren. Was it from New York actually? I can't yeah. remember. Yes, it was, wasn't it? Um, because and they're expecting that she's going to propose. Because she's too old now to not be proposed to. Yeah, it was like you're 21 now or something like that. I can't. Was so it 21? Almost on your deathbed. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, like oh goodness, and. Uh, yeah, she's like, oh, 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 um, oh, Esther, when you get to my age, you're like, bitch, don't you fucking try that. <laughs> when you get to my, when you get to my age, fucking reel it in. It's just, yeah. Um, well, even Esther's like, well, you know, she's not getting any younger. I'll never TikTok forget. Bitch. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, she doesn't want to end up in college or anything. You know, we must get her married immediately. Yeah. Well, yeah. Um, goodness. What 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 was that thing that they used to say? Um, some something to do with like boys not liking girls who read, or something like that. Yeah, I I can't remember, but I know what you're talking about. Reading gives you wrinkles. You know, it's not it's not very. <laughs> no. It's not very um, not to not the done thing. No, we yeah. want bland, personalityless, robotic. Uh, what do they even cook? What do they do? <laughs> like just there. Um, they have nannies and they have a chef so what's the point in you stay at home mother good fucking point actually yeah so even for the time period like you know your your mum would teach you how to do cooking and stuff in the thing they have a maid yep like she's gonna be for the time period not I'm just gonna say it she's gonna be a terrible wife like she's she's not gonna help him in any way whatsoever she's don't do it sir <laughs> my call back to this fictitious character don't do it um which uh, actually he listens to this call and does not do it 
<laughs> no, so, but they're screaming at each other. It's like they don't understand how a phone works. It's like I they're know. trying to shout long distance. I know. It's I, I love the old fashioned telephone though, where it's got the little um like the little hook and the little wire. Oh, it's so cute. Um so anyway, the whole point of them moving dinner forward is so that this phone call can take place without the family hearing it. But because uh the dad Alonzo decides, no, we're gonna have dinner when we want when we say it, when I want it. Mm-hmm. Uh the whole family is kind of waiting in anticipation of this phone call, which does eventually arrive. And uh, <laughs> Alonso picks the phone up and almost instantly hangs up. Um, and uh, there's a there's a big bit of silence where everyone's just looking at each other and he's just like, what? And um, <laughs> Esther says something like, oh, nothing, father. It's just that... It's, it's just that you've ruined Esther Rose's proposal. <laughs> <laughs> she just says it in the most kind of passive aggressive way she it's could it's so funny it is i love it it's so um shady he's like well how was i meant to fucking know he didn't say anything it's like well well it's he should okay, have known father. <laughs> don't worry about it but it's really funny because they make this out to be this big embarrassment so warren phones that they screech at each other and she's yeah. like do you have anything to ask me and he's like uh how are you doing you know stuff like that um, yeah and it says somewhere i don't know if it's wikipedia where she's embarrassed when when um, he doesn't propose, but to me, she didn't seem that embarrassed. She just seemed a bit like, oh, oh well, men, you know? So I thought, the, the, generally, I think she is initially because she, she does a slow, reluctant walk back to the table and the family kind of cover for her. They're like, oh, you, ha- how many girls in town have had a long distance call from New York? And so they kind of pick up like and try and boost her spirits. But like, she's a bit dejected, but she's not like, it's not the crushing scene that, you would have no. thought it could have been. What an assumption to make. I know. Like, 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 who wants that? Who wants to get to pros to over the phone? I know. Like, yeah. yeah. How like, romantic. Yeah. I think that they not even make a joke about that at some point prior, but then she kind of gets her hopes up anyway. I'm sure they said something about like, who wants to be proposed to over the phone or something yeah. like that. Long Look, distance. Yeah. Cause, cause they were like, um, they weren't even calling it the phone, were they? Like, they were just like, who was it by this electronic method or something like that? I can't remember the exact terminology they used, but it's, it's like when, um, yeah, it, all, all these, um, kind of old timey terms for like the technology. It's like um, when Mr. when Mr. Burns calls the car the Acceleratrix or something like that. Like it's just like very <laughs> like timey. Yeah, very old timey. It's like nineties. Yeah, <laughs> In the nineties. <laughs> um. So yeah. Anyway, um, that does not go to plan, and um, Esther ends up managing to meet. John, the boy next door, when he's invited to a house party that they're throwing. Um, and she goes to all this uh, effort to to end up looking nice and then kind of walks around uh, meeting guests, kind of pretending to not notice him. She's doing that like teenage girl thing where they're kind of walking around and like they they know their crush is there, but they're kind of pretending they're too cool to, to talk. And she's just going around seeing everyone else. And then she gets formally introduced by her brother and she's like, oh, how do you do? And all that sort of thing. It's very like twee, but it's nice. Like, you know, it's like a nice de- kind of depiction of that sort of thing. Yeah, it's funny because she likes him because um, he looks nice. That's it. Like, I quite like the guy who played him because, again, he looks nice and sounds yeah. nice. He's not really got anything of substance to say or give her. Like, no. We don't even know what he works as or anything. No, uh, we don't. Uh, he's just conveniently living next door. He lives in a big house, seemingly alone. 
Yeah. So he must do something. Yeah. But he's always there conveniently when she wants us to go gawk at him. So. Yeah. Um, but she finally gets him alone at the end of the night um, when she's just like, oh, can you help me turn the lights off? I'm scared of mice. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she's like, she said to her sister before, she's like, oh, I'm going to kiss him today. She's like, oh, you shouldn't. You, good girls kiss after engagement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love, I love old timey nonsense. Um, oh my gosh, this is the house party where the children are brought down and they do that dance, isn't it? Yeah, so we've missed that entirely. So this is like... Again, very, very old timey, and I think it comes from a place of like there's not an awful lot to do, so people get really excited by like dancing and stuff. Like, very, that's a great way of putting it, Callum. Yeah, they, oh, yeah. Again, my mum watched it and she's like, God, imagine like not having your phone, so your actual form of entertainment is singing with your parents by the piano. Like, yeah. that's when they actually do it for fun. Mm. Whereas for me, that would be a form of torture. Yeah, <laughs> I suppose it's. Again, it's like contextual. If you don't know any better than you make do, and obviously because they're so well off and they have so much stuff, like God, you know, back in my day, poor people would have loved to have sung with their parents by the piano, but we didn't have one sort of thing. So, like, at least they have all these instruments in their house, and they're obviously well cultured. Well, cultured, huh? They they have enough time on their hands to learn different dance routines and all that sort of stuff. So. The little girls as well are invested in singing and stuff. And yeah, but see, here's here's the thing we never mentioned. They sing this whole thing about the city living and they call the city by the wrong name. So I was convinced this was called Meet Me in St. Louis for the longest time because the opening song is like, Meet Me in St. Louis, Louis. Uh, and it's like, well, yeah. <laughs> the fuck? <laughs> what you, if the fuck if? Yeah, you were saying... Um, before we got into this, was there not some, it was like a trick or something? Yeah, so people were, um, I went to a bunch of forums to figure out how the fuck we're meant to say this name. Because I didn't want me and Cal to appear like fads. <laughs> not so that we, we don't do usually. Already. Yeah. <laughs> um, and people were like, oh, you know, locals will sometimes say St. Louis to take the piss out of people who don't know. But by and large, the song has a lot to account for when it comes to people not knowing how to say the fucking name of this place. Hmm. Because it is Lewis. Mm -hmm. We've checked. Definitely, definitely Lewis. Um, but the, the song goes on for, like, every character sings a song. It's quite cute, apart from the dad. So they all kind of pass along. They sing a verse and then they meet the other person and they meet the other person and they continue the song. It's very sweet. Mm. Very iconic scene. But they all sing it as St. Louis. And I'm like, why are you doing that? I don't understand. There's no reason for it. And I, I, like you noticed that they said something about that in the ice thing. I kept calling on the milkman, the ice man's trolley thing. Yeah, I, I can't remember the exact lines, but like the 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 little girl and the the um the ice man have a conversation about that as well, about Louis or Lewis. Um which I I messaged Sam to say the the characters are actually even discussing it when I saw yeah. it. So like um it's it's kind of nice that that's in there. Um, it's it would almost be like a self-aware moment if it were that kind of film. I guess, but they're the ones who are deliberately fucking with it. Like, did they write that yeah. song for this? If so, then they're the ones who put it into question. Like, yeah. no one else would have put it into question before they put that big bloody sing-song in there. Yeah, who knows? Either way, right, so the party's over anyway. The guests have gone, except for uh, John. And so she helps him. He's, she's like, oh, please, like, help me, help me turn the gas lights out because I'm a silly girl and can't put the lights out in my own house. So, <laughs> so he does. Um, and because, what's the excuse? Mice. So apparently, I've lived in this house all my life, but now I'm scared of mice. And like, ooh, 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 ooh. so she's like really fucking laying it on thick. 
Um, and he's dumb. So he's like, okay. Yes, he's a, he's a himbo. Yeah. So he's a what? A well-paid himbo. A himbo? Bimbo, but him. Himbo. A him- Interesting. I'm learning new... new um, New lingo. New lingo. Uh, a himbo. I'm going to need to A good looking that. but unintelligent young man. Yes. Perfect. I'll need to remember that. Um, so it's gaslights that they're putting out, which, God, they give me the fear, honestly. Oh, God. Yeah. The thought of like your entire. Oh, I, I don't know. Carbon monoxide, like, central. Fuck that. Well, that, no, well, that, but like, uh, like one of them fucking falls off the wall or something, yeah. or like, and, oh God, like your whole Plyley house could go up. Fireplaces scare me too for the same reason. Like, yeah, because it's like if your chimney's like a little bit blocked, all mm. that smoke's coming in to kill you. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's old, yeah, old timey, scary stuff. We fun fact: my great aunt had um, an oil lamp, uh. And she used to use it regularly, even when me and my sister were kids and we stay over. And my mum was absolutely fucking horrified when she found out we'd slept in a room one night that had this oil lamp burning. She's like, that figure got knocked over. That was the last time we saw that. <laughs> but yeah, like in retrospect, I completely agree with her because it's, it's, it's terrifying thought. It's outdated technology for a reason. Like it's even yeah. more effective and good. We'd still be using it. Yeah, it's not like there's a reason we don't anymore. So um, you're right. So, um, on that note, before we move on, I just mm-hmm. need to point out quickly that while Judy Garland sounds amazing on this, mm-hmm. that youngest child, Margaret O'Brien, can't sing for shit. Like, you know how we said last week that all kids can kind of sing? Yeah, I retract that. When she sings that song, God, she sounds bad. Yeah, I, I was thinking about that after, actually, and I was like, I'm not entirely sure I agree with that because uh, we were also uh, talking about uh, Lucy Lou Who, or whatever the fuck her name is, not being able to sing. So, like, we're kind of full of shit. I think, they get away with it more, kids. Yeah, I think you're more forgiving of children, which, obviously, you're more forgiving of children. Uh, but um, but she sings noticeably bad. Yeah. Com- especially compared to Judy Garland, who's a really good singer. What's um? What's that? Whose name? It's not Lucy Liu, is it? What's her name? Lucy Liu is a fucking actress, so it's not Lucy Liu. Who? Cindy Liu. Who. Cindy Liu. <laughs> I don't want to correct you. I remember we had Lu- the rule. Lucy Liu. She was in fucking Charlie's Angels. I know. Just trying not to correct you. So I just let it happen. It's Lucy Liu. <laughs> Can't sing. Probably. Who knows? I mean, we remember. I remember harder sing. Uh no. You're in not fact- wrong until we do. Yeah, yeah, okay, exactly. Prove me wrong, internet, prove me wrong. Um, so anyway, um, they have, they while they're putting all these lights out, they have a cute interaction where um, he's like, oh, your perfume smells good. And she's like, oh, I only wear it for special occasions. And he's like, oh, you smell like my grandma. <laughs> she's like, and her face is like, oh. <laughs> he's just, he's such a himbo. It's really funny because like he thinks he's flirting. Yeah. Effectively. Um, and what else does he say? She has a mighty strong grip for a girl. Yeah. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> just throws that at her and then leaves and she's like, oh. She's like, bye neighbor. <laughs> yeah. Good good job, Esther. You sure got that kiss? Like, <laughs> go get your himbo, girl. <laughs> um, so I know. Bloody hell. So she, uh, the plan is that they're going to meet at the at the construction site for the fair, which is weird. Why the fuck would you go to visit the construction site? It shows it shows how fucking little they have to do. Let's go. Um, uh, and this is where we get the trolley song, which, to be honest, like, is such a... I love it. 
after yeah. I say honestly I'm really really here for that song it's um all of it's really good very twee very cute I love that they're moving at quite big speed but their hair is not moving because there's no wind well, everyone else is wearing a hat and she's a filthy hoe who just doesn't cover her hair yeah well there's that like fucking harlot and it also takes him like so they're singing the song and she's sad because he's not there and then she sees him running after the trolley mm. that trolley's been quite fast and it takes him a very long time to catch up to it and instead of helping this man who clearly wants on they all watch her sing instead yeah. and that just makes me laugh well i mean if you've got the option between seeing judy garland sing at her peak or helping a man on a trolley hmm, i think i know what i'm doing <laughs> um so anyway yeah uh he ends up getting on there and again she kind of pretends she she gives us like glances at him but kind of pretends not to interact she's with him. playing yeah she's playing very hard to get i don't get it she's playing very hard to get for someone that's obviously interested like it's but even even as far as like the whole fucking gas lamp situation it's pretty clear at this point that she's interested and she's still pretending to not be it's like bitch which car which card are you playing here like you know don't do both simultaneously that's mixed messages are like what every guy loves yeah keep doing that <laughs> um so we have that situation and then is this this is where we get to halloween according to wikipedia at least it does so it kind of transitions by like you see scenes and then it says halloween 1903 or summer yeah. 1903 so yeah it doesn't really it's not like a flowing narrative it's like snapshots i'll i'll i'm gonna let you take this bit because oh no i think this will be interesting i want to hear what you have to say so halloween Tutti and Agnes. You know how nowadays there's really sweet costumes and you dress up like Snow White and stuff? Mm -hmm. Agnes and Tutti go for these fucking horrific masks. Mm. Um, genuinely scary. And all they meet, so the parents are like, right, off you go, have fun. Make sure you have your flower. And they take their flower and I'm like, oh, they're going to do trick or treat. Um, I didn't realise how violent trick or treat must have been back in the 1900s so they go out to the, to the middle of the town and all the kids have got like this fucking bonfire going and they're just like it's like a riot. They're just taking parts of people's furniture and parts off wagons and destroying their houses. And there's like this one ringleader guy who's dressed as a bearded lady. Um, and Tootie and Agnes are like, what's it? Like, they say you have a banshee and you have to kill your banshee or something bad happens. I can't remember what happened. Maybe you die. Um, and to kill the banshee, you have to go piss off your neighbor or kill your neighbors. And by killing the neighbours, they mean just chuck some flour at them. And Agnes wants to prove herself. So she goes off to this one guy. Can't remember his name. But she has to. She's told she has to Tut say... Tutti wants to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Tutti wants to be involved. The kids aren't letting her get involved because she's too small. Mm -hmm. Which, to be fair, like... It's wild to me that the parents are letting them do this. Because it is like an open fire. In the middle of the road as well. So, it, it's, yeah, right. They know that this is happening. And they know that they're like their stuff's being taken and they know that they're like gonna get quote-unquote killed but no parents like stops it no police well okay police later on um <laughs> <laughs> mm. so tootie goes to this guy's house says i hate you and then throws a bunch of flour at him and then runs away not like she's done something really traumatic like she's been attacked because they have to hold proper up like she's in shock um she's like, i killed him and then they're like, your, your banshee's gone. Mm. Did you know any of this was a thing? I, honestly, I assumed that this was just um, for the sake of the film. But 
it kind of wouldn't surprise me if this was an old-timey way of doing it. I've actually made it make more sense by explaining it. Because when you're watching it, it's an extremely confusing... It lasts 20 minutes. Yeah, like, I think, I think for me... If there was anything in this film that should have got cut, it was probably this, because it wasn't that interesting, honestly. Um, I mean, I understand it, it gives context for a little bit of what happens next, but even then, like, that's not necessarily... It makes the kids very unlikable. Like, I don't like the children. Yeah. Because this psychotic, let's terrorise our neighbours for yeah. a night every year, and no one does anything about it. Yeah, I mean, so it leads into this, um, like, we cut back into the the family home and we see Rose and Esther talking and then we hear Tootie screaming in the distance. Uh, and it's not tied into anything we've just seen. It's just, like, sudden screaming. Um, and then we're done told, oh, like, uh, Tootie's crying. Tootie, I love the name Tootie as well. That's such a fucking, like... It makes me think of Tutti Frutti, as in the sweets. Or but... or Toots from um, Drawn Together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love Toot. Um, uh, and um, so she's got, she's lost a tooth and her lips cut and she's got some bruises on her. And she starts like claiming like John tried to kill me, which is obviously the neighbor that um, Esther likes. Let's be clear, dear listener, John didn't try to kill her. Like, th- she's just fucking randomly said that he yeah, did it. So, yeah, I don't even understand why she lied. Because no, I don't Because the parents either. don't seem to care about no. this ritual. They know about the ritual happening. They gave her some flour. Yeah. It is absolutely psychotic. And it's not subtle. There's a giant fire. Yeah. Um, so he was trying to protect her from the police, mm-hmm. it turns out. And she lies. Because she's a fucking psychopath. Yeah no other reason yeah and that leads that leads to esther running next door and um without even checking yeah without like doing any investigation whatsoever and like attacking john and then running off again and it's just like it's this big dramatic unnecessary moment that doesn't lead to anything and of course we end up getting the truth about the matter and so esther goes to like apologize but that whole segment and everything prior to that it's just meaningless like it doesn't it doesn't for me it doesn't strengthen their relationship i actually don't like that he's so quick to accept her apology (laughs) like i just i just feel like that kind of unhinged reaction to something's not valid and i again it's made in the 1940s fine it's it's old timey, fine. It's meant to be a musical and lighthearted, fine. I just don't like any of that. And I don't think it makes their relationship seem stronger. I don't think it seems very likely. And it doesn't make the children come across well. It's just unnecessary. Allegedly it is historically accurate though, I'm just reading there. Um but apparently the bonfire and the pulling pranks, I guess trick or treat would make sense yeah apparently that's all realistic but jesus i can't imagine having the balls to do that seems very much like um what's that one again the purge yeah it seems (laughs) the purge (laughs) like what the hell when i was watching this i kept thinking of it in terms of its production as well and i kept on thinking about frankenstein when the actor nearly set himself on fire with the torch (laughs) and stuff and i was just like are these kids actually 
the practicality of filming this scene are they actually dumping stuff on a fire and are they actually letting children go to that close to a bonfire because i've i have to assume they probably were yeah like and, i mean there's no way of really faking that is there not I mean, then. nowadays yeah yeah now they could but like not then and all of all of it just screams to me jesus christ that girl's standing a bit too close to that fucking fire and i mean clearly clearly it was all fine because you would know if something wasn't like it would be a fucking modern not a modern day scandal but it would be a historical reference point that made me instant lewis saw the fucking charred remains of the girl that played tootie (laughs) (laughs) if if, like something went wrong but like it um it's it's i it's very uncomfortable to watch just because some of those kids are very close to the flames at points and yeah. Uh, they kind of see, look, the problem is, though, I know they're actors, but in the context of the film, I'm like, well, fine, burn. Yeah. Little, little swines. But it also confuses the kind of, so it says it's a Christmas movie, but this Halloween sequence lasts a lot longer than anything Christmassy you'll ever see. Yeah, like, I, I agree. I, I don't think calling it a Christmas film is entirely fair. It's, it's um, in the same way that, like, Die Hard's a Christmas film because of the time of year it's set. Like, there's a fraction of this set at Christmas. It's got a Christmas song come out of it. I wouldn't say it's a Christmas film. Like, I no, think it's more I, of a Halloween movie. Yeah. Than anything. Yeah. Fucking nightmare, the whole thing. <laughs> and um, yeah, so we've got. Let's go. Let's go back then. And so, um, so we've got Esther. Esther and John are engaged, and uh, also, um, I don't know if Rose is Rose and uh, what's his face are engaged at this point, but they're definitely close still, I suppose. Um, but Mr. Smith, Mr. Uh, what's his name, Alonzo, comes home, and this is where he tells everyone that he's going to be sent to New York City, uh, and that they'll all be moving after Christmas. And so, of course, uh, like Esther, Esther and John have just just got engaged, so not telling anyone on either side of their family at this point. Uh, so they're upset, um, but they're also quite upset because it means they're going to miss the World's Fair. Which is again like kind of testament to the fact that they have fuck all going on in their lives. Like, oh I no. guess that would be a big deal though. Like, and I mean not like just I mean everyone has no one has an England on their lives back then, but I guess that would have been like a huge deal. Yeah, having it near you. I don't even know what the equivalent to that would be because there's nothing really that all encompassing. Oh no, Sam, you're gonna miss COP twenty six. That was a f- oh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> like nothing got done, and it was just such a big inconvenient. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, but no, I don't know. There's nothing like that anymore. That's that exciting. No, no, there isn't. There really isn't. Like even we're too globalized now because we all right. We have access to like world yeah. cuisine and stuff everywhere now. I guess back then it'd be like a big novelty having like stuff from yeah. I international. suppose the equivalent would be like your your festivals now at summer where you've got all your international acts coming. I know, for- but that's not a reason to live in Reading. No, it's not. It's not. But like, that's the closest kind of thing I think yeah. now is probably that. And even then, it's just like, as much as I like going to gigs, it's not a reason to. Yeah. Maybe Eurovision's a better. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Like, oh, I don't know. It's so full of disappointment and, and but anger. But it's something I would rather go to. Like, I don't know. It's like it'd be kind of cool to have Eurovision happening and. Oh, listeners! If if Eurovision if if Eurovision happens again, just oh, just fucking wait. Like whatever we're talking about, there may well be a Eurovision rant when. Yeah. Oh, I do. I Maybe do even enjoy. a Eurovision episode. Ooh. Who knows? We'll see. Like we could do, I suppose. Like there's no reason why not. 
I do enjoy I do enjoy getting angry about it. It's one of my favorite things each yeah. year. So maybe the Olympics. Like that was kind of cool. It was in London. Oh, the Olympics is a good example, actually. Yeah. Um, and like the Commonwealth Games and all that sort of thing. Yeah. yeah like there's there's yeah that sort of thing. I suppose. Oh, it's not um, quite the same though. It's not like quite the same level as excitement as I guess the World Fair. See, I don't know actually because like in the run up to like the 2012 Olympics, there was this whole kind of feeling and I think it was very easy to get swept up in the like the UK's on the world stage and we've got so much to be proud of right now. And of course, all of that fucking vanished as soon as it was over and done with and we all got back to hitting each other again. But like it, during that time, there was an element of national pride to a point. And I think that's it was kind of shown in a lot of like the political decisions and stuff that were taken in the couple of years that would follow. But that's probably the closest thing that we've had to a World's Fair. And obviously I say that with like a slight caveat, not everyone was that infested in the mm. Olympics. And like, oh, you're, you don't even have to be into sport, I suppose, to, to enjoy it. Like the opening and closing ceremonies. Like no. it's just, it's just what it is. But yeah. Um, yeah. That's probably the closest thing. Anyway, they're going to miss it, is the point. Uh, Mrs. Smith's upset too, but she decides she'll support her husband. And so they start singing around the piano. And one by one, the children all appear from their respective Are places. giant fucking slices of cake. Yeah, that was... um. Yeah, I, I, I like, I, yeah, I, I, I said that out loud to the TV. I was like, bloody hell, that's a big fucking slice of cake. <laughs> and, um, like, she just takes these tiny little fucking bites out of it. And I'm like, oh, God, like, God, I would fucking murder that. I would destroy that cake. It looks mm. good. Mm. Um, I love icing. I love, like, that crunchy icing that they have, like, going around. Oh, yes. I love it. Um, so there's a ball that takes place on Christmas Eve. Now, this is an interesting point. So, like, John uh, arrives at Esther's and says that he's unable to to take her because he was too late to pick up his tuxedo at the tailor. And she was oh, just like... Oh, well, John. She's like, yeah, she's like, can you not borrow your dad's? And he's like, oh, well, it was my dad's. And so there's this weird point where, like, granddad arrives and... Oh, hang on, hang on. So let's step yeah, you need back. To, yeah, go back. So yeah. the, the brother and sister, uh, Rose and... Lon Jr. Yeah. So they're they're kind of uh reluctantly going to have to attend the ball with each other. And there's this whole thing about I can't go with my brother and my sister, but like uh basically Esther Esther's like, you have to, blah blah blah. Very holier yeah. than thou. Yeah, she manages to convince them that they should, and so they decide that they will in the end. And then it turns out that, you know, actually it looks like Esther's not going to get to go at all. Well, no, they're like, you'll have to come with the brother too. We, the brother yeah. and the two sisters. And she, and she's, she's like, just like that I won't can't. do. We can't, we can't have two sisters and a brother going. It's never been done. Hypocrite. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, she's just not. So then the, the, the grandfather appears and he's just like, you know, I did just take my suit out of mothballs, mothballs the other night. It would be a shame for it not to be danced in. And I thought he was going to offer it for to John so that John could wear that and take her. I no 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 granddad's taking her. Like <laughs> you know, I didn't even consider that as an option. I actually found that really sweet. I was like, oh our granddad's going with her. I thought it'd be quite a nice memory because you know he might not have he might many not have long left. left. No no I thought oh he's gonna give it to John 
fucking granddad's at the dance like okay that's so funny like, like, i i it's so funny how differently we viewed that i didn't yeah. even get to set it up as an option i was like oh that's so sweet she's gonna go with him and it's gonna be a very nice family moment for them no i didn't even get to set her that yeah why didn't he give him it, it was just the way that he worded it and like he was so like because he, he wasn't like in well he's kind of i suppose inviting himself in retrospect but he's just like you know i did just take this suit out of mothballs it would be a shame for it not to be used and like why wasn't he gonna go anyway like why like there's all sorts of people there i mean he's the only person over 100 there so like it, it's not like it's not uh yeah but when he was there with her he didn't really dance with her or anything much no. other than that one time i actually do like the ball sequence as well yeah so that's a bit of a that's a bit of a weird one uh because the whole dance card thing is, is a very old-fashioned thing as well so yeah. at the ball i'm guessing esther and rose are trying to have a bit of like fun they're up to a bit of mischief well they've heard that warren's with someone else right. and he is he attends the ball with someone else mm -hmm. and they're like fuck this loose woman we're going to ruin her night so mm -hmm. they find all the undesirable men mm -hmm. and fill up her fill up a dance card with mm -hmm. her name on it well the girl i can't remember her name lucinda something yeah lucinda. um something like that begins vanilla um and they're like oh we're just gonna ruin her night lucille this, this woman yeah lucille there we go yeah uh, so they fill up her dance card with the worst guys. Mm -hmm. The granddad finds out. And then they meet the girl, and the girl's lovely. And you're yeah. like, oh, Warren, you should be with the person you want to be with. I know you're too ashamed to ask her, blah, blah, blah. Um, which is weird. Why has Warren suddenly appeared, actually, on that note? Like, why is he suddenly there? Uh, I suppose we could argue that it's, the ball is for Christmas Eve, is it not? So he could be back visiting family for Christmas. But why didn't he show up to hers beforehand? Okay, Why didn't you just ask her to the ball? Let's take it at face value. I don't know. Good question, but I don't know. Okay, well, anyway, they, they, they decide to ruin this girl's night because they're a pair of dicks. But <laughs> I, I kind of appreciate how petty that is. Yes. Um, And then they discover she's actually nice. The granddad does a whole, mm, is that really the dance card you're going to give her? I've seen those boys. And then she's like, fine. <laughs> yeah i'm a dance and then you get like it's kind of like reminds me of the princess diaries even though i know this came first mm. you know where it's just a bunch of men that really can't dance and i really enjoyed it and they're so enthusiastic some of them as well and it's like some of them are like 12 literally 12 yeah i know um she eventually yeah it was it was a really good scene actually it's quite funny because they're all bad for different reasons or like and you kind of feel like oh girl we've all been there i remember doing social dance at yeah, high school that's what you get for filling up someone's dance card i like that she gets her comeuppance like it's funny yeah. though it's not like horrendously mean no but she does deserve it <laughs> yeah but then her, her granddad decides you know what i'm gonna rescue her well yeah. no i guess he sees who appears in the background and decides he's gonna yeah maneuver help. this thing yeah help the situation that's a really cool transition as well i know it's not that impressive no it's not it's a very sweet transition because the, the granddad kind of dances them away from the ball floor room floor yeah to behind a christmas tree and then she reappears with john yeah uh who inexplicitly explicitly has his tuxedo now so again there's an element of like how did you reappear because you couldn't come earlier so like maybe grandpa does lend him one yeah that's my head cannon like he must have like, he's old he must he has so many hats he yeah, must have more than one suit he's probably got more than one yeah um 
Later on, actually, is when John proposes, not earlier, as I said, um, and she accepts. But obviously, because she's still intending to go to New York, they're not sure what they can do. And there's this whole conversation about, could we still make this work if I go? And they're like, mm, don't know. Um, well, I mean, they don't know anything about each other either. So, like, in general, is it going to work? Mm, yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, it's funny, isn't it? Like, summer 1903, we're only in winter 1903, so she's she met him at a party like what less than six months ago and they're already yeah. engaged like, but they've not, like seemingly they've not met much in between because they yeah. went that trolley thing and now they're at this ball yeah that's it oh well they've met three times in six months and they're gonna get married <laughs> okay <laughs> it's going to work I, I have good feeling about this relationship <laughs> <laughs> i love to last the ages <laughs> um so this is um, where we get our Christmas moment or our um, our Christmas song moment, rather. So Esther goes home to find Tootsie up waiting for Santa and she's worried that he's not going to find their new house if they move to New York. And so this is where they have the have yourself a merry little Christmas moment, which I really, I love the performance of it in this. Like it sounds mm-hmm. really, really nice. It's it's very like, as you would expect, I'm sure. It's, yeah, a lovely moment. But if yeah. you didn't know the context of what was happening... Yeah. You would think something a lot worse had happened to them, like the dad yeah. had gone off to war or something. Genuinely, you'd think that. That's what I did think until I watched the film. I'm like, oh, someone must be going off to war. Yeah. No, no, they're just going to destroy some snowmen in the Paris. Yeah, I was going to say, so following this song, uh, Tootsie goes down to destroy the snowmen rather than leave them. She's like, she's a fucking She's psycho. like, it's better that they die. It's like, oh God, okay. Um, At least they keep her personality consistent. I do enjoy her because she's so dark. Yeah. The original uh, goth. Yeah. Goth. <laughs> goth girl. With a U. <laughs> um, um, so Esther's, yeah, Esther takes, go, follows Tootsie outside to comfort her and she's like, oh, we'll be together no matter where we go, blah, blah, blah. Until so, you get married and fuck off. So all of this inspires Alonzo to rethink his decisions. And so he d- they have a family meeting. And so he's like, you know what? Actually, we're not going to move, uh, which everyone's really, really happy about. Um, Warren then randomly appears out of nowhere and is just like, bitch, we're getting married. <laughs> See you at the altar. And fucks That's off exactly again. exactly what he says. Pretty much. He acts like, like he's been trying to marry her all this time. He hasn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. It's, it's a total... Um, it doesn't match his character up to this point whatsoever, but fine. Um, this has been on too long now, Rose. Yeah. We're married. We're doing it now. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, Alonzo's just like, oh, I'd very like to much meet your future husband. Because <laughs> he still doesn't know who he is. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, they also realise that it's now Christmas, so everyone does that again old-timey thing of hugging everyone in the room. Not that hugs are old-timey, but it's just the way that it's done. But then they start opening presents in the background, and I'm like, I really want to see what you've opened. Oh, I'm sure it's diamonds and pearls are very rich. Yeah, but the like, parents are in the way, and I'm like, move the fucking road. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what their actors are opening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> empty boxes, MGM ain't filling them with nothing. <laughs> there's nothing in there nothing but sadness um and so we then cut to a scene outside on a nice day and the family are all dressed in white and i made i made an inappropriate joke while i was watching it i was just like oh we're off to our clan meeting because they're actually kind of 
<laughs> they're kind of like head to toe in white with like they're like they don't they're not wearing hoods but like there's a bit where they're side on and they have like these fluffy things in their hair but yeah they have both like... a hat and an umbrella to make sure the sun doesn't go anywhere near them yeah um <laughs> oh we're gonna get cancelled that that reminds me of i'm just just because you mentioned drawn together earlier um do you remember the episode where um, Foxy's taking the, um, there's some kind of test she has to take and one of the questions on there is what um, what level of FP- SPS lotion do you have to take to go to the clan, to, to go to the, to go to the f- uh, fairground fellow clansman? And like Clara's just like, oh Foxy, you don't need sun lotion when you've got your clan hood on. And it cuts to her face and like her, uh, the, the holes around her eyes are like burnt, but like her, <laughs> she's <laughs> I, I forgot I fucked up that. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Anyway, so they look like they're off for a fun day, and obviously, it's like it's summer or it's late spring in fucking Missouri, and their summer clothes are like head to toe fucking gowns. Mm-hmm. And like, oh god, I feel so sorry for the wife because she's just like, it looks like such a heavy dress she's wearing, and white reflects heat, so fine. Mm-hmm. But it looks so heavy and uncomfortable, and yet this is their going out clothes. Yep. And you're like, oh, what a time to be alive. Yeah, fuck that. But then the <clears> film <throat> does end on a cheery note, where the daughter says, "What if a tsunami hits us and leaves a bunch of mud and dead bodies?" <laughs> Yes. Well, there's that. Very poignant. <laughs> Very poignant message to to end on. Um, yeah. So they go to the fair anyway, and they're like, "Oh, isn't it wonderful?" And he, yeah, it's not a strong ending, honestly. No, it just kind of ends. It just there. ends. Um, I feel like it would have been a stronger ending finishing at Christmas. Yeah. Like the the bit before. Like, I mean, obviously, I know we don't see. Well, we don't see anyone's weddings or anything anyway. No. no I, kind of, I kind of thought when I saw the white dresses, I'm like, oh, are they all getting married together? Like, I thought that as well at first, actually. I did. And then it's just like, oh, no, they're not. They're just... Yeah. They're going to the fair in all white. Yeah, basically. So, um, that's it. Uh, not a strong ending. I don't I don't really like the ending. I don't. Well, I don't dislike it, but it's just... I feel like it should have ended at the Christmas moment. Like, that's such a feel-good moment to end on. I don't know, because the problem is they mention the World Fair so much that if they didn't show the World Fair, they'd be like, why the fuck are you constantly mentioning the World Fair? See, I feel like I feel like that would be nice in its own way, though, because you then leave it up to the audience's imagination. You know that the family's going to get to stay there for the fair, so they're not going to miss it. You can imagine they go and have a nice time. And then instead, what we get is we see them going and they stand and stare at like some stuff in the distance and it's just very underwhelming. Yeah, they could have had they could have like, had Warren appearing at that point saying, Wait, we're getting married now, fuck sake, bitch. Yeah. They just the pacing at the end was a bit strange. Yeah. I mean, in its defence it's almost two hours long, so I suppose by that point they're kinda like, right, like, you know, wrap it up, bitch. We've got I to, know, but they could but, have gotten rid of like again, as you said. The Halloween was, scene. Yeah, yeah, get rid of that. And then yeah, so okay, so there's lots of questionable decisions been made here. Um and but it's very clearly like a showcase for judy garland like it's like pretend yeah. to not be no no i think i think that's the that's the thing at the moment it's it's kind of the mgm way isn't it like we know we know why we're here and we know what it's for so we don't necessarily need to try and even pretend it's anything but that um yeah 
so that's that basically meet me in St. Louis um I think for the most part it's a really strong film there are elements of this I don't like mm-hmm. but they don't take away from the overall whole of it for me like they're not I would I would happily watch this again and I can't say that about a lot of films like this like I'm not inherently someone that's really into musicals I have to say and I'm not really it's it's hard because it's as you as we said it's a kind of a film about nothing like mm-hmm. there's an awful lot of nothing going on so it's hard for me to it's a hard sell except to say like it's probably it's a strong Judy Garland role if you care about that great if you don't that's not going to be a big selling point really um it's it's one of those films that's been added into the the American film institute archive thing for historical significance so like for better or worse it's got that behind it i also know it was the second highest grossing film of 1944 um yes um so there's that but yeah, I guess I guess it kind of depends on like whether or not you think it's it's um you care about that sort of stuff. I think the reason it's historically thingy is probably the songs to be honest cuz it's like yeah. the context of where these really big songs came from. Yeah. I think so. Poss- possibly like the the depiction of like certain elements of family life cuz again it's that old-timey Hollywood depiction of family life back in the way. It would be a shame if all of those records even if it's fictitious in this way would just disappear because it is how the culture viewed itself or wanted itself to be viewed at one point so um it's a nice relic honestly and i like it a lot yeah i liked it too more than i thought i would yes sometimes watching old films are a bit of a trial to be honest and it's just because you don't have the stuff you have now to keep you going keep you entertained and it's so sad because i probably wouldn't have watched this had we not been doing it for this honestly like it is it's totally one of those things i would have to really work my way up for it or like psych myself up for it and i don't think i ever would have done as much as i'm sure people would have been like oh you really really must and you know that's my failing or achievement as like the world's worst film student like a title i proudly own but like it's yeah is i think you're either into old movies you're not i think that's just the thing like more might yeah yeah totally i say go watch it yeah i agree that's my opinion but i would watch it quickly because it's actually free right now if you're in the uk on bbc iplayer otherwise it's quite hard to watch for free yes so for some reason a whole bunch of um Judy Garland films are currently on the BBC iPlayer, um, including the film we're going to be watching next week. So this is also there at the moment for a little while longer. Uh, we'll be looking at the 1954 version of A Star Is Born. I think that's the correct year. Uh, I think that's right. It's it's Judy Garland's A Star Is Born anyway. Uh, 1954. Go me. The things I remember. Hey. I'm all right at these things. Ten sometimes. years after, basically. Yes. Um, so this uh, was, I think it was the second or third adaptation of the original film, uh, which was released in 1937. There's been quite a few different versions of this. Obviously, the most recent version was the Lady Gaga one from a couple of years back. But there's another version with Barbara Streisand, uh, which was from the 70s. Um, all variations of this film that I'd seen 
I'd really, really liked, and I'm really, really looking forward to discussing this next week. I have to say, have yeah. you, have you actually, at the time of us recording this one, have you watched this one yet? No. Mm. No, that's my plan for after. Oh, so I'm gonna have a long night. I'm gonna watch half of it tonight. <laughs> Good. I'm. I cannot wait to discuss this because. Oh. I don't want to give it away now, but it's so good. Um, so yeah, join us next week for A Star Is Born. If you've liked what you've heard, please consider giving us a rating both on Spotify and or on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, depending on where you're listening. Five-star reviews really, really help us out and they encourage other people to give us a go. Uh, if you want to share the episode with your social followings, please do so. And if you talk about any of our films. I did put out a thing today saying, has anyone seen Meet Me in St. Louis? Fuck. Mm. So maybe in St. Louis, knew I'd do it at some point. Um, <laughs> and we got one person back because it was very last minute. Like mm. I said, half an hour. It was actually like we were filming it imminently, like within the next two minutes. And mm. Pick and Mix Pod said they haven't seen it. They look forward to our episode. So thank you guys. But Aww. we'll try and do a bit more of that um, in the future. You can't really comment on a Star Is Born. We are recording that tomorrow. But Judy, the 2019 film. Was it 2019? Yes, 2019. Yes, yeah, so the yeah. follow, following week we'll be talking about Judy. Um, so yeah, if you have any thoughts or opinions on that, uh, we'd love to hear them. And Sam will read some of them out if there are any. Then maybe. Yeah. We'll yeah. See. Why not? Get your get your name heard on our podcast. Really <laughs> exciting. Um, so yeah, that'll be really really good. Uh, A Star Is Born and Ju- Judy. Well, as well as Meet Me in St. Louis at the time of recording are all currently available on the BBC iPlayer, so go watch those there. And yeah, what was the other thing that I needed to push? Is there anything else? YouTube, I guess. I guess we're on YouTube still. Um, give us give us your ratings and, and share our episode with people. That'll do. See you, see you next week.